Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change with your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope you are having an amazing day. It is hump day, and that's right. It is Wednesday, July 19th, and today is National Words with Friends Day. I thought that game stopped a long time ago, but whatever. National Hot Dog Day, so make sure you get out there and get a little wiener, as well as National Daiquiri Day, a little some-some to wash it down with. And, of course, it is International Retainer Day, and this is in regards to the retainer that goes in your mouth to fix your teeth, not for all of our lawyers in the room. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast, and please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live at the Internet, and we're live every Monday. Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter spaces. And if you would like to participate in the show, you can raise your hand by joining Twitter spaces. If you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented, but kicking it off, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite. Oh yeah. The professional flip flopper. He is back at his crib in LA. He's done <laughs> hanging out at the hotel live in California. That's right. It is the dope dad himself. Rico Lamite. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jason, uh, for quite a warm welcome this morning. And I'm glad to have my slides on. I'm not with the flip-flop game, but if you can say what you want to say, it's all good. My story today is about the another MSO, True Leave. And uh, they're back in the headlines, and it's looking like more drama for them. TrueLeave has more than 9,000 employees in 11 states and is a primary bankroller of a proposed Legis uh, legalization ballot initiative in Florida, contributing nearly $40 million to the campaign to date, which is currently under state Supreme Court challenge. They've cleared quite a few speed bumps along their journey to the top, and uh, time will tell if this one ends up in the rearview mirror with the rest. The Florida-based MSO and well-known Black and a well-known Black Ohio entrepreneur have been trading barbs over an alleged unpaid $24 million debt that the former is using to collect on. It's been less than two years since True Leave and Harvest Health and Recreation announced their big billion dollar merger. And as of last week, it seems the happy couple's milk is beginning to sour. In October 2021, True Leave acquired Arizona based Harvest Health and Recreation in an all stock deal, expanding its footprint to 11 states and paving the way to becoming the behemoth that we know it as today. But a major catalyst for the deal's closure was their offering quote unquote financial assistance to four Ohio-based Harvest social equity businesses and her parent company, Harvest of Ohio. 
separate from Harvest Recreation Health, um, also known as Harvest of Ohio Companies, operates three retail medical dispensaries and one cultivation license. On July 14th, Trulieve filed a complaint against Social Equity Outfit in the Franklin County Court of Common Pleas, alleging Harvest executives used Trulieve's loans to pay themselves six-figure salaries while simultaneously asking to borrow more money. Harvest of Ohio's majority owner is Ariane Kirkpatrick, and the, uh, the Buckeye State's first Black woman to legally own a vertically integrated operation. And per the article, her path to licensure wasn't forged without controversy. In 2020, Harvest of Ohio voluntarily donated 500000 <laughs> voluntarily with the big air quotes there, donated 500000 to a state fund to settle what they called an ownership uh, dispute after being accused of misrepresenting its true ownership. Different story for a different day. Google it if you want to know more tea, if you want a little more tea on that one, because I'm not touching it. Uh, But anyways, Janae Holly, Harvest of Ohio's Director of Communication and Public Relations, accused Trulieve in a statement Tuesday of undermining their Pledge to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Jason's favorite three letters, (laughs) in a bid to gain control of Ohio licenses. Holly went on to say that both Harvest Health and Recreation and later Trulieve interfered with Harvest of Ohio's management, charged them with inflated and inappropriate expenses and blocked recapitalization efforts. The two companies agreed not to liquidate claims and negotiated a restructuring when Trulieve abruptly and without advance notice ended the negotiation process and filed last week's suit. Spicy. This approach to business is not New, Holly continued, HHR and Trulieve's management have used these strategies in other states and communities across the uh, across the country. And that is a fact that we will prove in court. Trulieve spokesperson Nicole Yelland called Harvest of Ohio statement in an an attempt to avoid paying Trulieve the twenty three point eight million that we are owed and that they're not tricked by it or no one else should be either. She went on to say Trulieve loaned these companies money and they agreed to pay them back, which they now refuse to do. We have a responsibility to, uh, as a business and a fiduciary responsibility to our shareholders to collect this debt and we will pursue action to do so. With so many folks struggling to hold on to their positions in the current state of the industry, we're seeing more and more disgruntled operators taking their business partners to court. But when it comes to social equity, many of these, quote unquote, partnerships were bad deals from the jump. And as I always say, y'all need to quit showing up to the football field with basketball shorts on. Now, I don't know who's right or wrong in this particular dispute, but my guess is it'll end up settled like the rest of Trulieve's legal troubles have in the past. And we'll all forget about it in due time. Harvest of Ohio's threat to air HHR and uh, Trulieve's dirty laundry is interesting and it sounds salacious on the surface, but we'll see how much of that is actually admissible in court when the dust settles. I'm Regal to meet the dopest dad on the street. Love to hear from the rest of you guys on this one. Lots of spice coming out of Ohio. I don't see this as being unusual at all in the experience I have with um, businesses, especially dealing with social equity folks because they try to screw them. And at some point the pissing match goes public and that's what you have here is a public pissing match over running a business and expectations that may not be in writing. And, and so you're right, Rico, if this gets into a courtroom, we'll see how much of this is really admissible because a lot of this is just politics and keeping your name out there from being spoiled. In my experience, yep. these people in business will screw you. 
I mean, business everywhere. Like you said, don't show up in your gym shorts if you're going to play football. Right. Oh, yeah, Full don't show sport, baby. Well, 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 Dale, what what about days that you just practice with no pads on? Can't you just wear your gym shorts in, those days? In your shells? Full go up? <laughs> better have your, your um, tank with you. Because mm-hmm. all yeah, the better, better. you do in practice don't matter. Is that's where the rubber meets the road. And a lot of people just don't appreciate that. What happens in social media and all the name-calling stuff just doesn't happen in court. You've got to bring in your evidence and your witnesses. And, you know, a lot of times they're just all fucking scumbags. Everywhere you look is a lion sack of shit. you got to try to prove a case of So there you go. Yep. <laughs> Ask Allen Iverson about practice. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, what what, what, did, did, what I mean, what do we think will like be the ultimate outcome in in regards to this? Assuming all of these allegations are proven true in court, Dale. Um, if there's a contract that you have to pay something back, and there are conditions to payment, and you don't meet them, then someone's going to be owing somebody some money here, and that's what this is all going to be about. I, I write a lot of loan agreements and a lot of contracts in the industry. And there are conditions and provisions in there. People who are running black market game or who come into it with that mentality, they never pay attention to rules at all. Well, when you have a contract and you sign yep. it and somebody gives you 24 million bucks and there's conditions to pay them back, you don't pay them back. It's like, well, you know, get all your, your friends and your lunch too and come on down to court because now you're going to have to face somebody who doesn't give a shit what you run on the streets like. It's like you got a contract. Did you, did you honor it? If not, you ain't got the money. Now what? That's the problem I have with these companies. They pay all stack, all stock to buy something. If your stock ain't worth shit, you go to sue them. It's like, well, we'll pay them in stock. No, what you'll do is you'll pay them, or you'll be in receivership, and we'll take all your money from you. Yep. Jason, I got a question for you as a retailer. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty-four million in three years seems a lot of debt to rack up. How would you explain that large of a sum? I would I would totally agree with you, Gretchen, 100%. There's $24 million is an insane amount of debt to rack up in that period of time. And I have no clue how they would have done it unless they were paying for a whole host of um, subcontractor type of services that they actually really didn't need, and they were getting hosed in those contracts. Well, well it's, it's, three, there's, it's three retail locations and a cultivation right. operation. What I read so the whole thing. Yeah, three. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, four total businesses for three years. I mean, it's feasible. It sounds steep, but it is feasible. You got people all across the supply chain there. Yeah, Yarrow, did you have something on this, Yarrow? Yeah, yeah. So from what I read, part of the reason why they were acquired by Trulieve is because they needed to have those continued cash infusions, right? And so that was part of the deal baked in. What's curious to me is that even though these two are spatting it out in the court of public uh, opinion, opinion, yep. You know, Trulieve is complaining that executives have a six-figure salary, which six figures could be one hundred and one thousand, or it could be nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand. It's pretty widespread. While their CEO made three point nine million the previous year, and right. you know that has nothing to do to, to 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 Dale's point with with whatever those loan agreement terms are, and then you know. It, and then Harvest is complaining that Trulieve took him to court. Oh, we agreed we weren't going to take each other to court. Well, court is always, a you know, I mean, that's better than duking it out 50 paces with two pistols, right? So, like, I, I don't know why Harvest is complaining about 
having to litigate this and have it take to court. I mean, it's a big enough dollar figure that sooner or later it's probably going to end up there anyway. So the two of them seem to have these talking points that I don't think are really related or relevant to probably what's in that loan agreement to begin with. Yeah, that, yeah, they're both trying to save face, and the, they're both trying to save face in public. I think this is kind of a PR, like um, I wouldn't say nightmares. It's, it's PR negative for True Leave, but I mean, if the paperwork checks out, the paperwork checks out. Dale, Dale is the it only way to save face in this type of uh, PR fight is to shut your mouth. There's yeah, no need right. Or the back and forth. STFU. They ain't doing it clearly, Gretchen. Yeah, you know they're not going to do that. Um, uh, could 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 possibly uh, some of this twenty four million uh, be the, their cost of their legal expenses for filing this that they have already pre baked into the settlement, Dale? Well, I would suspect. I mean, I I put in um, prevailing party attorneys fees provisions. That gives you a big stick. If you want to be an idiot and fuck with me, and I'm standing on good legal ground. And go tell it to the judge and the jury because when we kick your ass, you're paying my attorney's fees too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that, you know, as Yarrow knows, that if you put together these contracts and you're not understanding that when you sign your name to it, you're committing yourself to a certain set of conditions, okay? And if you don't honor those conditions, then uh, sometimes negotiations just don't work. You know, pick a jury or you're in arbitration. See, I, this is not arbitration because it's public. Mm-hmm. All my arbitrations are confidential, so we keep this shit on the down low. But hey, we're gonna have a public pissing match here, and here we go. I mean, my no. guess is that it's not including legal fees because legal fees haven't been tabulated because they're just beginning to go to court, and that was part of a, a harvest complaint. Was wait, wait, you said we weren't gonna go to court. Wait, wait. Um, and so my guess would be that that's the face value of the loan amount. I just think, at, you know, at first blush and not to make any of them wrong and not to wake up on the judgmental side of the bed, but neither of them seem to have clean hands. No. Oh, man. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Dirty game. Oh, it's yeah. Dirty game. Nobody <laughs> yeah. got gloves on, right, Jason? That's right. They didn't have yeah, gloves back when they started this game. Yeah, they need to, they need to get a Nertile <laughs> sponsorship, apparently. Feel free to judge away on this show, Yaro. Well, okay, so let's start it out. I mean, truly, like, the whole husband-wife thing, and then, like, you don't really get to claim diversity and inclusion if you made $75 million on your company, but there's still your bud tenders making whatever. So I just think that, like, and then the lady, the lady who started Harvest in Ohio in 2020, they paid, like, a half a million dollars for something that they weren't going to admit they were wrong to that had to do with the ownership structure. And then I noticed... God if, 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 if you, if you, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to go like too far down that that rabbit hole. But if you Google that story, I mean, <laughs> they, it seems like they got extorted by the state. They, to get, <laughs> they paid five hundred grand wow. into the state pot to get the state to allow them to move forward because um, ownership wasn't black. <laughs> oh boy! The, the other sounds thing, like Rob. an excellent lobbyist for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you. you you know, outed that they had more than 50% minority and female employees. Last I checked, half of America is is, is female. So if you say you got 50% minority and female employees, you're not really impressing me with that statistic. Sorry. Oh, man. There we go with the, there we go with the wokeness with the, all these employees and everything. Here we go. Mm-hmm. We're going to go open your eyes. Out of the kitchen. I mean, what's yep. the world coming to? Well, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Gretchen. I'm telling you, Gretchen. It's National Hot Dog Day. They should be cooking up some dogs or something. You know what I mean? For real. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the Glizzy. Yeah, National the Glizzy, Glizzy Day. National Glizzy Day. Oh, yeah. We're going to go to a commercial. <laughs> We're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Coming to the stage next, y'all know who it is. It is the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer known for smoking the best weed in the world. You can catch them in West Hollywood. You can catch them in Detroit or sometimes in Mar-a-Lago. But today, it seems like he's in a um, Victorian <laughs> yes. living room <laughs> in a very smoke-free environment. I don't know where it is, but uh, it might have something to do with Donald Trump's fourth indictment. <laughs> Come to the stage. It. Jason Beck. Stop it, stop it, stop it. No, you're so silly. That's all. It's all just a crazy witch hunt, bro. And you know that exactly, Rico. It's all it's all designed to give the media. Yep, 100%. I'm telling you that. Dude, I can't wait for Georgia. Are are you you under house arrest too, Jason? No, 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 no. I I snip those little anklets and just leave them at home. That way they think I'm always there. Did you just call Donald Trump a crazy witch? No, 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 no. But nonetheless, my story today, you guys are going to love this. Oh, man. Oh, man. Rico in the trap is going to live on forever because of this story, because the Canadian government is to start testing legal and illegal cannabis. Oh, man. A new Canadian government initiative will see federal cannabis regulators Health Canada randomly buy and test legal cannabis products as well as illegal marijuana sourced from law enforcement agencies for comparative analysis. Health Canada said its laboratory could test for THC and CBD levels, specific analyates of of interest and contaminants. The new government testing and data collection program comes amid ongoing Canadian cannabis industry concern over THC inflation. Sounds like Biden economics to me. And the program will allow Health Canada to proactively collect information on the legal and illicit cannabis markets in Canada, according to the regulators update. Earlier this year, the CEO of a licensed cannabis testing laboratory spoke out against THC inflation after running his own tests on store-bought cannabis and finding that actual THC values were lower than the labeled amount. Last week, the chief executive of Canadian cannabis producer Organogram Holdings also uh, decried THC inflation as well. And on a earnings call, CEO Bina Goldberg said THC inflation had become more widespread in the last year. Health Canada said it will publish summary reports of its data analysis. And in a quote, these reports will make no reference to product brand or license holder names, the announcement said. The program will also support Health Canada's efforts to ensure that legal cannabis products available on the Canadian market meet the requirements set out in the Cannabis Act and the regulations. The announcement continued. And in one more final quote, it says, if the program identifies deficiencies with legal products they analyze, we'll take appropriate compliance and enforcement actions to mitigate health and safety risks if necessary. Oh, Canada, you guys are going to start testing the trap weed. And oh, man, I can't wait to see the results of this. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at 9 News Hour. What do y'all think about this? 
I wonder if the uh, if if the trap dealers are going to apologize immediately. I mean, because they're Canadian. I, I mean, because I'm Canadian. I, I'll, I'll tell you what. If this if if this was in America, I don't think that they would be getting their cannabis from from law enforcement. They would just Hunter Biden would probably be selling it to them. Come on now, come on now. <laughs> I, I, I got a que- I got a question. I got a question. You think they're going to publish the results if the trap weed is like you know heads and shoulders above all of the legal weed that they sell in Canada? You think they're gonna they're gonna tell people that the the Canadian Sorry. the licensed producers are producing the boof? Yeah, and the streets are producing the heat. Come I mean, you, where, where's where's Ali Muffins today? <laughs> where's Ali? Muffins? I mean, you are, you already know that Canadian is what it is. Yeah, you already know that is what it is. And yeah, oh man, that's what I'm saying. This is just going to fuel the illicit market even more. All the home growers out there in Canada, man, I encourage you guys to donate some of your cannabis to law enforcement so then that way we can they can test your stuff in comparison. Hey, friend. Hey, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with all of y'all's assessments. Mm-hmm. Um, I see this as the start to a wonderful PR campaign. If they can prove that illicit cannabis is filled with pesticides and all sorts of crap Ooh. and yeah. junk, well, you know. then they will market that to their people to say you need to buy legal. Well, first of all, Gretchen, I think you know as well as I know that that is the whole intention of this. And regardless of what happens, that's definitely what they're going to be you promoting. Say one word about the whole intention of it, Jason Beck. I heard you talking about well, Hunter Biden. I was again, just agreeing no with it. Reason. I was just agreeing with you, Gretchen. But Gretchen, what if it, what if the results are the opposite of what you're expecting? Well, then they'll are? then if, they'll keep their mouth shut. They are gonna cleaner, they'll never see the light of day of that report. What if it's categorically cleaner and it's you know higher quality than the licensed producers are producing there? I mean, that's that's the whole point. I mean, do we? What about the data? Are we gonna it, not hear about this if correct, the results correct. are in favor of the illicit markets? It will go in the or? bottom of a desk drawer. You mm-hmm. will never see it. There you go. I mean, do we we'll really believe test results anyway? Information Act. That's where you be going. I want to know the results. Go into that drawer that Gretchen just talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the secret drawers. I bet. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, do, does anyone really think, though, that, that that testing for cannabis really is a determination of quality? Because I don't. No. <laughs> I mean, I do. Well, I mean, oh, of course I mean, you do, Gretchen. You don't even smoke weed. Judge it is. That testing works. I just think that, you know, <laughs> that, what that, is that, that, what is wrong with testing for a safe product? I don't, I, I, I don't have a problem testing for a safe product, Gretchen. And all that, jazz. All I'm that I'm saying, all that I'm saying is, all of their testing methods and everything that they do is not a determination of the overall quality of cannabis. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah. If cannabis is full of heavy metals, I would argue the quality is not there. Hey, you know, some people like heavy metal, Gretchen. All right. Well, then I hope you'd like early death. Yeah. Well, but they don't really have metrics for the combinations of terpenes and exactly. Thank you, Dale. Well, but so but that's much. wrong. But that's incorrect. They do. You say you say you take Jason's weed. You go and you do a quali- quantitative analysis on it, and you say these are the combination of terpenes and cannabinoids that Jason likes the most. And then you go out and you find all that weed and say we determine that this is a category of weed that Jason likes. That's exactly how that's done. And that's, you know, that's like a baseline. That's, that's how that's done. When, when you say I like a certain weed and you like a different weed, well, if we analyze what you like versus what this other guy likes, we can actually determine what that difference is. That Delta is from one strain to another strain. So 
you can you just have to actually know what the hell you like and i think that's the problem is everyone likes so much so much of a different variety of things and when we're talking about like these minute volatile chemical like activity in these plants that's where we're trying to like identify that that's why you know people that are doing research on the prenylated flavonoids like thiols that are making some of these cannabis strains so unique that's why they're doing that research and why they're publishing those papers because that's you know, determine that's a determination of, hey, why you specifically like this strain over other strains is this one little thing that we found that's like so small and minuscule, but makes a huge impact um, on that chemo arc. So I, I got to say that it is a way it's just like we need to identify, hey, what, what are the things that we like? And I think people are doing that. But, you know, ultimately it comes down to like, you know, the collection, the mass collection of this stuff. And then you have to like, uh, you know, feed it to these you know, consumers in, a, in like bite-sized pieces so they understand what they're doing. Saman, I think you need to look at this, frankly, through the lens of a medical patient with a compromised immune system when you talk about minute trace amounts of bad things in the cannabis. No, 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 I'm I not mean, talking about bad things. People, I'm talking about good things, Gretchen. Whatever, the, the my thiols, point is... Styles are like volatile organic compounds, like to, terpenes and To suggest and that this testing is just silly, I think it's uh, well, ridiculous. Well, if you're talking about... But, but, but Gretchen, if we're talking about Canada... Like the whole country has access to get their medical cannabis right. shipped to them, period. So, so, so the trappers should not have a problem with the medical patients. The medical patients in, in, in Canada should not have a problem getting clean product from actual You're dispensaries. You're saying this is all just an adult use issue. Adult use people should be smoking crap. Well, adult use or difference in cost based on tax act, taxation and the cost of regulation. I mean, my hope is that when they test that trap weed, the stuff that comes back without contaminants, no matter what the potency or quality levels are, is that they find a way to put it into a compassionate use program after they've done whatever they needed to do with it. And right. That's so find much a way to reduce, reuse and recycle. That's so much wishful thinking right there, Yaro. I mean, it would be a great thing, but that is total, total, total wishful thinking. I do want to just share one comment. Uh, Willie from Vermont Alternatives says, uh, half my customers are Canadians from Montreal, and they say the white market <laughs> weed sucks. Uh, yeah, that's right. Why, that's why, right. why, 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 why we got to get racial both. with it, though? Oh, stop it, Rico. Stop it, Rico. We're going to keep it moving. We're going to move right on into our feisty redheaded conservative who loves to tell pot loving libs all about themselves. She loves to dress up her dogs in fancy outfits on top of baking crazy things in her pineapple apron. That's right, is the founder of Panoptic Strategies, Gretchen Gailey. Thank you. Thank you, Jason Beck, for your wonderful misogynistic introduction. Uh, I do not have a pineapple apron, but I do have a necklace for you. I told you I don't have much actual pineapple apparel. Uh, it's right side up. It's, 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 I'm glad to see it's right side up. This is one hideous uh, piece of jewelry someone gave me, but whatever. People give me pineapple stuff all the time. Uh, speaking of pot-loving libs who suck, my headline, Justice Department extends public comment period on marijuana pardon certificate application. The Justice Department is extending a public comment period concerning its marijuana pardon certification process that was established under a directive from the president last year. In a notice published in the Federal Register on Tuesday, DOJ's Office of the Pardon Attorney said the comment window will now be open until August 15th as it requests offer authorization from the White House Office of Management and Budget to process applications for cannabis pardon certificates for an additional three years rather than continue to request approval on a month-to-month -month basis. 
The department launched an on online portal for people to submit their requests for the formal acknowledgement of their presidential pardon in March. People who've committed federal cannabis possession offenses or violated the law in Washington, D.C. are eligible for the relief. President Joe Biden issued the pardon directive while also initiating an administrative review into the federal scheduling of marijuana late last year. The pardons were processed automatically, but DOJ is also providing certifications for those who want tangible proof of the forgiveness. Written comments and suggestions from the public and affected agencies concerning the proposed collection of information are encouraged. The department is specifically interested in feedback that addresses whether collecting the additional information under the extended timeline is necessary for the proper performance of the functions of the agency, including whether the information will have practical utility. It's also interested in receiving comments on the accuracy of the agency's estimate of the burden of the proposed collection of information, including the validity of the methodology and assumptions used. DOG seeks... Uh, from the Paperwork Reduction Act, authorization for this information collection for three years. OMB authorization for an information collection request cannot be more than, more than three years without renewal. The DOJ notes that information collection requirements submitted to the OMB for existing ICRs receive a month-to-month -month extension while they undergo review. The department said that the purpose of the information collection is to gather information necessary to enable the Office of the Pardon Attorney, U.S. Department of Justice, to expeditiously administer the provisions of the Executive Order 10467, a proclamation granting pardons to individuals charged or convicted of simple possession of marijuana. The collection will enable individuals to apply for certificates of pardon, restoring political, civil, and other rights by implementing a process to provide certificates of pardon as provided by the order. Overall, it estimates that approximately 20,000 people will complete the required forms to apply for pardon certificates. Comments can be submitted to Deputy Pardon Attorney Kira Gillespie at kiragillespie at usdoj.gov. Please comment her any comment you like, I would suggest. Uh, pardon Attorney Elizabeth Oyer said in December that the online application would be posted very soon, but activists have expressed frustration about the delay in the pardon certi certification rollout, which was ultimately launched in March. Biden's pardon proclamation was fairly limited in scope as it did not free anyone who is currently incarcerated and excludes people who were convicted of selling cannabis, among other groups that advocates would like to see get relief. Um, again, I think this is the administration wasting all our time and money pretending that they care about cannabis. Um, I'm amazed that they think 20,000 people are going to apply to receive their certificate of pardon. Um, how many would actually be issued because those people actually are, are qualified for one is yet to be seen. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. I mean, Gretchen, these the only people that are eligible for this are people that have been caught with like low level amounts of cannabis in like uh, natural department of forestry property, right? Or the District of Columbia because it is a federal yeah. district. Yeah. Correct. Yes. I think I think the majority the majority of people are from Arizona. And it's a federal offense, yeah. Yeah, the, the majority of these cases so all are out of Arizona. DC people. Mm -hmm. I don't recall there being that many when he issued the pardons. I thought they initially were talking about around 6,000 people were eligible. I don't know. I think I, I think I do I remember them saying 20,000. I think Maybe I do remember that. New people. Well, no, <laughs> you don't. If you broke the crime after the pardon, you are not eligible for the pardon. That's not how it works. 
You were only eligible prior to it. And if you wrote the crime after the pardon, it you shouldn't have been shouldn't have been arrested at all. Yeah. This is lipstick on the pig, guys. Yep. There's so few that qualify for this. The rest of us who are carrying federal felonies for weed, we're you know, we're not getting anything out of this. Um and the slow walk of this is just going to be excruciating to watch for some poor bastard with a bag in a national forest having to beg for a pardon. Yeah. It's, it's just not helpful to the, the fight we have to undo all this crap. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that got caught up with just, mine's distribution and cultivation, okay, which I did. I grew it, and we gave it to sick people. You ain't getting that to go away because, nope. oh, I could have been charged with what? Other things they didn't charge me with? That's the argument they're running. Oh, we gave him simple possession, but we had 10 other charges stacked. What do we do with them? Mm-hmm. How about you throw them in the fucking trash and leave people alone? How about that? Sounds like a simple solution to me, Dale. They're not and, interested in simple solutions. Yeah, that's that's for well, sure. They want, they, they want distractions. Yeah, this is just a distraction. Well, yeah. I'm sure that's good it. old Joe will use this as a talking point on the campaign but, trail of everything that he's doing for cannabis. When but you're you, he's got such a blue. bad history in marijuana oh, cool. and drugs in general. I get and He you. doesn't I want to go you. into it because his kid's an addict and he's got all kinds of legal problems from drugs. But he was one of the architects of our current problem yep. with the war on drugs. You can't run away from it. And you know, I believe just you. Shut the fuck Dale, up. I yep. believe you. But every chance the man gets, he jumps up and down about how he provided all these pardons for cannabis users. Every Sounds like a politician. Sounds like a politician to me. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like a jag off to me. <laughs> yeah, jag off for the win. He didn't make lofty promises, but the ones he made, he broke. He hasn't done anything for it. The Democrats are going to wonder why they try to position themselves as progressives but aren't doing anything about it. He was instrumental in the crack house laws and the, that were used against rave and electronic mm-hmm. event promoters in the early 90s and and to late 90s biden ain't doing nothing this is just this is pr that's all it is it doesn't move the needle it's not progressive he could do something if he wanted to and it's sad for me to admit that like we had more promise under the previous administration Mm -hmm. because at least that guy was unpredictable yep not necessarily great but unpredictable and biden is predictably full of bs and isn't doing nothing Oh, or as yeah. he would say, malarkey. Malarkey. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures and. With the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you have subscribed to the channel if you have not already. And also make sure that you know that you can check out all of the articles from today's show. You can read them all at your own leisure at www.hyatt9news.com. Run the next commercial, Adam. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. You're accepting new clients in California and New York. 
make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Up next, he is a 36-year practicing uh, a practicing attorney and founding partner at Armada Law Corp. And is hosting a masterclass this weekend on how you, too, can piss up a rope. Come to the stage. <laughs> Y'all know who it is. Dale Schaefer. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. My story comes out of Law 360. And uh, the headline, California couple asked justices to revisit cannabis policy ruling. And what this is, is a petition to the United States Supreme Court, or what we call a writ of certiorari, to examine the Rach Gonzalez case from 2005, because the couple that filed a suit, um, Anne-Marie Borges and Chris Gurr, um, were told that growing marijuana under California law does not create a property right you can uh, ask the court to protect under Section 1983 or RICO. We have is a, a couple who um, bought some property in Mendocino County. They got a permit to grow. Uh, they called themselves legacy growers, I guess, because they someone had grown some weed in the county before. And they got permission to grow. They were actually growing. And then uh, that changed when they claim a neighbor snitched them out for stealing water. Uh, water board shows up and they cut all their plants down, take all their weed. And then they're trying to get another permit and the county won't allow them. And they change the zoning, you know, and stuff that anybody who grows weed under these rules knows is just a mess to try to deal with. So they, and one of the claims is that a notorious sheriff came in and he stole all their weed and that they don't account for what happened to it. So it's a RICO violation. It's criminal, blah, blah, blah. Under color of authority, they violated their rights. That's that's the basis of a 1983 action. And RICO is racketeering uh, and violating somebody's rights. So as this moved up through the federal courts, they were told repeatedly, you have no property right to grow a federally legal substance. And that's because the Rage versus Gonzalez case said that all marijuana, they term they use, is presumed to be involved in interstate commerce. That gives the federal government commerce authority to say, you can't do it. And they're saying it's time we revisit that. And they're quoting Clarence Thomas. And I've been warning you for months now that you get this in front of Clarence Thomas, he's going <coughs> to kick somebody's ass over this. Because he started with the Rage case. You look at his dissent. And he pointed out, we have a thing called the 10th Amendment. Okay? States' rights have all their police powers, okay? And unless the federal constitution says the state can't have a power or they uh, are prohibited uh, by the constitution or it's not enumerated to them, all rights belong to the state. And Clarence Thomas said, look, this is nonsense. And go back to the 1930s and drug up some case about, you know, red wheat and your field and all that kind of nonsense. The 10th Amendment has some power here. The court said, no, the Commerce Clause controls the 10th Amendment. What this case is asking to do is look at the 5th Amendment, which is a, a due process and deprivation of rights. The 9th and 10th Amendment, which confirm that people in the states have all the rights not specifically given to the federal government. And the 14th Amendment, due process deprivation of rights. And want the whole thing reevaluated. Now, as they point out, since Rach, 
Um, there's now 38 states that have intrastate rules and regulations for producing, manufacturing, distributing, and sales. So it's a different landscape. And what they want is rather than have a presumption that it's all interstate commerce, that if you get pinched by the feds, you bring forth evidence that shows, hey, I'm licensed in the state, it's all intrastate, that that be able to get beyond the, pres the uh, presumption that it's interstate, that you have a rebuttable presumption. That's their big ask. But they poke holes in all parts of this. Um, what I didn't see was a direct attack on Schedule One status. But that's another one. If you can get that in front of the Supreme Court, this Supreme Court, and especially Clarence Thomas, he'll take the baton on this. He could do a lot of undoing of federal jurisdictional um, cases that have just wiped out the industry. You have to have the coal memo and the Ogden memo and the, the spending preclusion to keep the feds off the state's back. This decision could take the feds out of the equation. So that's, that's the start of a conversation. If this gets picked up next term by the Supreme Court, we'll have a lot more to talk about. But for right now, I hope we might be able to get the courts to do something these damn politicians are afraid to do. Awesome. This was what circuit court was this in, Dale? It comes out of the Ninth Circuit. Ninth Circuit. It's out of Mendocino County. So uh, it, it's right here in our backyard. And we do have a case here, the McIntosh case, that stopped a federal prosecution until they went and proved that you were not operating within state law. So we have that on the books here in the Ninth Circuit. But no one would recognize a property right under the state laws to continue to grow commercial cannabis. That's where the pissing match is. Man, man, oh man, this sounds like a huge case with huge implications. And, and I really hope that this does make it up to the Supreme Court because that is definitely going to be a big, big showdown. And I agree with you, Dale. Clarence Thomas is probably going to be a champion on this case, leading the charge. Well, he's he's issued a couple of opinions and last was standing akimbo just a couple of years ago where he said, we need to reevaluate this case, the rage case, because it's no longer necessary and proper to do this. And there's a split of jurisdiction between the feds and the states, so the federal government does not completely occupy the entire area of controlled substances. A lot of parts of this are ready to crumble. If somebody just pulls the rug out from underneath it, it's going down. Yeah. And I think Thomas will do that. I just, I just, yeah, I just want to say it's uh, very uh, peculiar. It's very, very weird to see Clarence Thomas so very vocal lately after decades of silence. Well, well, when you look around and the people in the room um, follow what you think, and right. it's a lot easier to stand up and yep. say what you think. Very true. Very, very true. you have any thoughts on this, Gretchen? You're on mute, Gretchen. Anyway. Pineapple talking. I know. Uh, I've been saying since day one that I felt that the politicians weren't doing jack shit and that if there is going to be some remedy to cannabis, it'll be in the courts because um, Congress does not want to take a vote legalizing cannabis at all. They just suck. Um, what I'm trying to understand this case, Dale, and I'm not familiar with it. So they're taking away these people's property because they're growing a federally legal substance. They say they have no rights to the property. Is that what they're suggesting? Well, the, the state of California gave commercial cannabis growers a property right in continuing to grow. 
Under state law, you have that. And traditionally, the states have set property rights, which 1983 and RICO have acknowledged. When it comes to weed, it's like, no, the Rage case says we can't do that and we can't give you a property right. So it's a battle for the property right to continue to grow commercial weed. Fructuous industrialis is what we call it in real estate. I know Anne-Marie, so I know the people in this case. And I think it's important to put a little bit of context, not just around what they're trying to do, but around what's happened in the recent history in Northern California. You know, Omar Figueroa was one of the attorneys who successfully uh, bought Rohnert Park under RICO and settled for millions for clients because... Uh, the police were taking off their identifying logos and driving up and down 101 and taking people's cannabis, not giving them receipts, not arresting them, and then doing whatever with it. And it didn't make it to the evidence locker. So I think that these people, whether they win or not, are fighting maybe personally, but still, you know, taking a bite out of this apple around corruption, systemic corruption, and some of the issues that, you know, have been here for a very long time it's state sanctioned piracy and it's like if we talk about prohibition and enforcement without talking about asset forfeiture and some of these other things that have gone side by side with it you know we're missing some of the point here i think that you know whether they win or not they have tried they tried this case or they tried a variation of this case in 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 mendocino prior and some of the allegations they've made against civil servants are pretty heinous and so uh, you know, I know that we're not out here to hang up, you know, law enforcement by their fingernails or make them wrong for the fact that they, you know, put their lives on the line every day and that most of them are underappreciated until you need one. And accountability hasn't gone in both directions. And so when you're looking at the Emerald Triangle and you're looking at, you know, the regs in Mendocino and, and just the way in which they're the, the, the slowest to process, process the permits, even though arguably they're the heart of the Emerald Triangle, um, I, I see this case as a byproduct of a lot of dysfunction. And if they can get some relief, even if it benefits them personally, I think it would be a, a much needed win for, for many other constituents as well. Yeah, it, D Dale, Dale, if this does go to the Supreme Court, are they going to be entitled to any monetary damages um, as well from, uh, from a judgment in this case? Well, if the Supreme Court decides they have a property right, and they get to go back to the federal district court where this started and pursue their 1983 actions for the damages from the corruption of the law enforcement they're alleging. And also the, the RICO, too. These all have damages within those statutes. But if you can't establish a property right, you're at a... And what Yarrow is describing happens a lot. There's horror stories from Fresno up and down the 5 and 99, things like that. Bringing attention to it, I, I think, is good for people to understand. But fixing the problem is a whole other issue. And if you can get a property right recognized in federal law, the federal courts don't play. Okay? And that's why the, I think they took this to federal court. Because in state court, yeah, you can sue on some provisions, violation of property rights. But in federal court, they knew that they were going to throw this out. So it got removed to federal court because it gave the local jurisdiction, this county of Mendocino, all the power in the world. And if they don't have that power, then the federal courts can and will put a boot up their ass. And they should. They should. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Thank you so much for that, Dale. That is a, this is a huge, huge case with huge uh, implications. So we definitely want to make sure that we're following this story 
all the way through it as this as this trial goes all around and hopefully up to the Supreme Court. But now coming up next, we have the man with a plan. Yes, that's right. It is Saman Rizani. He is a plant cannabis formulator as tell as well as a site designer and he helps women over 50 experiencing menopause how to say hello again that's right it is none other than the saman Rizani. thank you thank you thank you thank you it's good to be here missed a couple weeks on the show it's good to see everyone's face today's a hot one we have a story fresh off the press people Gigi Hadid, famous Gigi, got caught up in the Cayman Islands with a little bit of cannabis. So this is from Fox News. Gigi Hadid arrested in the Cayman Islands for marijuana possession. All's well that ends well, she says. Model Gigi Hadid arrived by private jet July 10th to the Cayman Islands where her bags were searched and she was arrested. She was arrested after arriving in the Cayman Islands with marijuana in possession, Fox News Digital confirmed. Gigi was traveling with marijuana purchased legally in New York City. That's questionable. Uh, with a medical license, a representative for Hadid confirmed to People magazine. It has also been legal for medical use in the Grand Cayman since 2017. Her record remains clear and she enjoyed the rest of her time on the island, said her representative for Hadid. Hadid shared a handful of photos and videos from her time on the island shortly after she was, uh, for, shortly after the news broke. All's well that ends well, she captioned in the post. Uh, a representative for Hadid did not immediately respond to Fox News Digital for a request for comment. Hadid and her friend arrived to the island via private jet, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, she was arrested. Uh, she got arrested two days after they found and searched her, and uh, she paid a $1,000 fine, and she pled guilty, and that was it, and she got to go free. Um, that's Simon Rosani reporting for High and I News, but, you know, there's, you know, there's more to this, I guess. Uh, there's some... There's some laws, and if you dig up the laws in the Cayman Islands, it's legal for medical use, but it's like by prescription, it's very tough. And obviously, as we know, traveling with anything uh, to another country, they don't like that. So um, we'll see how this all unfolds for her, but you know, it's probably over. It's probably not a big deal, um, as it shouldn't be in the first place. It's probably, you know, there's probably plenty of, uh, you know, pharmaceutical, you know, drugs coming into that country that they're just letting slide by. Cannabis is no different. And it shouldn't be thought of that way in a pejorative manner as, as it is all over the world. But it's changing, so hopefully more. But that's my story. Uh, you know, just just, just the TMZ moment on High and I News today. Oh, I'm man. The TMZ I'm the new TMZ reporter for High and I. Oh. And uh, I'll be delivering all the celebrity celebrities. I mean, how much, how much did you enjoy reading that story, Samad? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I just had to like, you know, I had to smoke some of this, you know, fire weed to like, you know, read that story because I felt really bad. But, you know, I feel bad. Hold on, stop it. Stop it. Stop, stop, stop the craziness. So she's an international drug trafficker that gets fined a thousand dollars and that's it on a PJ. Get the hell out of here. No, Jason, we're slacking. That's all I gotta say. Where was Anwar? Yeah. I'm sure they confiscated her weed too. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. You know, they were enjoying it. They were probably enjoying it like laughing about arresting Gigi Hadid. I don't That's think they were enjoying it. it. If if they if they wait, bought wait, wait, this wait. from a legal store in New York, you know they're not enjoying that. Dude, what kind of prisoner swap <laughs> what kind of prisoner swap would uh, Gigi Hadid get? Oh damn. Oh man. <laughs> Yo, that's 
What? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, it probably. I think it will probably be some weird thing where like the Jeffrey Epstein thing goes away or something. I was gonna say the same uh, thing. I thought it already did. Epstein, give up Jeffrey. Give up Epstein. For, give up Ghislaine Maxwell for, for Gigi. Oh boy. <laughs> we need her back. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Poor little Gigi. They took her Poor weed Gigi. away. Oh man. man. Maybe, Gretchen, Gretchen, you got a comment on this one? Yeah. <laughs> Does it? And I'm I'm looking at this story here because I'd like to know the facts, Simon. Uh huh. No, those be, are the facts. Hold on. That, uh, let me ask you a question. They don't say. They don't say. It doesn't say ask, how much she was say. trafficking. No, they said they find her thousand bucks. It, it couldn't be a lot. It was personal use. They and they and they bust her for drug paraphernalia. I'm thinking it was like. Yeah, I, I, it, Gretchen. If I was to guess, I would say it would be under an ounce that she was caught with, because um, New, New York only lets wonder, you buy it. I wonder, I wonder if it was uh, Bella Thorne's weed. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. Are you saying? Are you saying? Hold on a second. Are you alleging that this was glass house weed that they bought at a trap store in New York? <laughs> hey, I, didn't, uh, I said nothing. I said nothing of the sort. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Don't throw rocks. Do not throw rocks. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Advice here is don't be crossing international uh, borders with weed. Yeah, yeah, right. Plant and send somebody else to go take it in the country. Don't break more than one law at a time. Real talk. Find find a find a guy or a gal locally, and they'll get you some. I mean, I mean, the, Ca the Cayman Islands has to have some, you know, type of cannabis. I don't know how good. The I would think the Cayman. Be. I would think the Cayman Islands would have have better flowers than what they're selling in stores in New York. Yeah. I mean, you think so? No. Yeah. Yeah, bro. All the stuff no. that they're selling in stores in New York, bro, is like a year and a half old. No, dude. Like, I, I mean, but but that's what I'm saying. I question that. I question the legally purchased in, in New York. I mean, maybe she had a receipt. Maybe she had a receipt with her. Yeah, the bodegas give receipts, bro. Like, you know, you're going to get a receipt. Like, it's going to be the, the, the Paleta truck, the Paleta cart selling weed gives you a receipt. I mean, you're going to get a receipt. Oh, Oh, but but it's but the weed but the weed growing in New York. Let's just be honest. Some of the weed that I've seen from New York actually was like fire. So I question your statement, Jason. I question I question if the Cayman Island actually has more fire than New York. But um, question you know, but everything. Way, do, you, do, you, do you have something to do with uh, them acquiring said fire? No, Is this no, a, no, there's a, a, a no, dated some of the statement. Some of the cultivators that are cultivating in New York are cultivating some fire. I don't know there's about no, all that. There's there's no such thing as as like you know. Um, Someone, you're you know, tripping. You're you you're, uh, you're a out of touch. Comment like that, but I mean we can't ever determine. But I'm I'm just saying some of the weed is really good, but also it's different. They're they're growing a lot of hazes out there that we don't grow here in California because you know we're all about that candy gas. Oh, in Cali. Boy. oh boy, oh boy, you ready, Rico? I'm ready, man. We got no more ads. No. Let's do it. Yep. Bringing us home today is a second generation cultivator and founder of the Special Teams Consulting Crew, focusing on cannabis, real estate, and sometimes, you guessed it, cannabis real estate. It's my pleasure to welcome to the stage for us today, Yaro Kerbin. Thank you. Thank you. I got to get my like news announcer voice. I, I, this is my first time. So I'm going to just be a noob as my, as my kids did, say. Did, did I pronounce the name uh, uh, properly? No, but I don't care. Cause I'm just happy to be here, man. So I'm like, oh, pick man. me. It's Jason's I'll, fault. It's Jason's I'm fault. He, he, <laughs> everything's always my fault. The article today is, a, I think a bright light of hope and it highlights 
places where there's still opportunity in the space and big paper to be made. So without further ado, Philip Morris acquires cannabis inhaler developer Psych Medical for up to $650 million. The Israeli company's main product is a metered dose inhaler for pain reduction treatment using medical cannabis. Philip Morris, the international tobacco giant, is acquiring the Israeli company Psych Medical in a deal that could reach $650 million. Calicast has learned. Psych's main product is a metered dose inhaler for pain reduction treatment using medical cannabis. The deal consists of several milestones. Philip Morris will initially invest $120 million to support the process of obtaining FDA approvals for Psych's inhaler. If the approval is received after passing clinical trials, Philip Morris will proceed to purchase all the shares of the Israeli company for $650 million. The transaction will be conducted through Philip Morris's subsidiary Vectura, which specializes in the field of inhalers. Philip Morris previously acquired the British company for £1 billion in 2021 as part of its strategy to transition from smoke-free smoking. Philip Morris previously invested $20 million in psych medical back in 2016. The acquisition of PsychMark is one of the largest transactions in, Israel, in Israel's medical technologies field in recent years. If the $650 million valuation is achieved, Psych will become one of the 10th largest cannabis companies globally, joining the ranks of Tilray and Aurora. The exit is highly significant for all of Psych's investors, considering that the total investment in the company to date amounts to only $80 million. The company's founder and CEO, David uh, Perry Davidson holds a relatively large share of over 10% of the company with other investors, including R crowd, former retail founder, Barry Shakid and Brian Cooper, Glenn rock, Leo Riconti's investment firm, Shavat capital and bank discount established in 2011 by Davidson, who still serves as the CEO psych holds around 120 patents resulting from more than eight years of development. The main innovation in Sykes Inhaler is the use of raw inflorescence of the cannabis plant, not its processed products, and the ability to measure the exact dose intended for the patient. Presently, over 80% of medical cannabis consumers use smoking and vaping products, leading to potential overdoses. Sykes Inhaler provides relief without causing the psychoactive effects from excessive dosing. As of now, Sykes Inhaler is available in Israel and Australia, which are relatively small markets. The Israeli market, for example, is estimated at 100 million shekels, approximately 27 million per year, serving approximately 50,000 medical cannabis patients. In the past, inhalers were marketed and distributed through the Israeli pharmaceutical company Tiva, but recently Psych opted for independent marketing and signed cooperation agreements with the Ministry of Defense and Mehudik HMO. Probably didn't pronounce that one right. Sykes primary target market is outside of Israel with the FDA approval process in the United States being a critical milestone. Philip Morris's expertise through Vectura will be instrumental in obtaining this approval. If successful, Psych will be the first company worldwide to secure FDA approval for using raw cannabis inflorescence as medicine. Philip Morris, known as Marlboro Brand, is one of the largest cigarette manufacturers globally valued at $154 billion on Wall Street. It aims to reinvent itself amid the decreasing popularity of traditional cigarettes, with over a third of its revenue now coming from smokeless products, including electronic cigarettes. A few years ago, Philip Morris initiated a beyond nicotine strategy, expanding its product range into botanicals like chamomile and fennel, as well as sleep and relaxation aids. The cannabis market is still seen as a potential growth engine for tobacco companies, despite recent market shifts. According to Philip Morris, the medical cannabis market is worth $24 billion, with an annual growth rate of 15% until 2030. The wellness market, which includes cannabis-based sedatives and sleep aids, is estimated at an additional $4 billion, with a growth rate of 8%. Psych declined to comment. This is um, 
like I said, mm-hmm. I covered the story at the top at the top of the year, and I said it, man. Altria came out there in their last earnings statement. They had the worst earnings quarter in uh, uh, since 1978, and they were going to be dedicating over the next two years five billion into more healthy lifestyle products. Cannabis being one of them. This is just the beginning, y'all. This is this is the main event. This is big. This is the big leagues. But we're complaining about a bunch of little stuff. It's time to stop talking shit about your neighbor and just start getting ready because the big boys are here. Yeah, yeah, very much. So it's it's about to go down, 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 down. And I have a feeling that this is just one of the starts to the end of it all. So this is this is big pharma coming in, taking over cannabis. This ain't big pharma. This is tobacco. Big tobacco. Guess. Big tobacco. Excuse me, Gretchen. My my bad. I made a mistake. I apologize. It's all the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same thing. They yeah. all pay. They all pay uh, off the FDA to get stuff cleared. Let's be. Let's keep mm-hmm. it back. <laughs> FDA yeah, is for sale. I don't yeah. think their interests align with our interests because our interests are to make this available to everybody, and theirs are to keep it to themselves. Mm-hmm. So. If there's going to be lobbying Congress, whether it's Altria or Philip, you know, Marlboro, they're going to want to have a deal that's sweet for them. I mean, it makes good sense for their shareholders. But for the rest of us trying to get this out of Schedule 1 and get it into someplace else where we have a chance to be in the marketplace, I can't imagine they're going to be our friends. They may open the door, but, you know, the room they're going to let in is going to be a small number of people. Yeah. Well, Dale, you notice that they're purchasing a medical product. So these guys are all ready for schedule three. Mm-hmm. Get your ass oh, goodbye. That's right. That's, that's, that's right. Point. Every they product. They want a meter dose that the FDA will sign off on it. Oh, it's like you, you go to the products Epidiolex and Sativex. They, they have measured doses. They were allowed to get FDA approval because you can measure the dose, blah, 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 blah. Fuck it. I don't want this to be medical under the Controlled Substances Act. Let it be controlled by something else like ATF. Give it interstate licenses to people. Yep. And get out of the way and let the marketplace run this. That's not the, the ultimate goal of, uh, you know, Philip Morris or Altria or any of those big co- – they'll help to break the logjam, but it's not going to be in our favor. Yeah. We do have uh, we, we do have Dr. Felicia in the Twitter spaces um, where this is going to be our first time trying this. Are you with us, Dr. – oh, she just disappeared. Dang uh, 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 that, Elon. Oh, man. Uh, of course you're going to blame it on Elon. <laughs> we are just laying the foundation in hopes to build our dream house, but uh, we're just going to end up mowing the lawn. Mm-hmm. Like. Either way, thank you all for joining today's episode of <laughs> i9 News. <laughs> you can catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fan show and love getting their comments projected live on the big stream. Also, to the live audience members and online supporters catching us all across media platforms wherever you can find us tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines that you see us repping every single day to our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table our production team cloud media partners house of fuego the vortex and all of our sponsors keeping their lights on keeping our av struggles to a minimum and of course the lovely jaja simone holding things down everywhere else to the haters Get a job. Go up to Canada and turn in your weed right now. Get it tested. As always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the Hide Nine News team shows up and read these headlines daily. Thank you, babe.
It has been Wednesday, hump day, July 19th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the, the top industry headlines. Hope was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street, with your daily reminder that life gives you no place else to turn. You can always turn the fuck up. Yaro, you got us with the outro today, man. You got a good message for these people? I just think that my the highlight of the article that I read shows that there's still opportunity for innovators and that as this industry matures, <clears throat> there are still some exits to be had. And so a lot of doom and gloom in California. But I think that when I look at the fact that Philip Morris invested 20 million back in 2016, I say, everybody get a great idea, find an amazing patent attorney and plow away. Oh, yes, boy. The last day.